0: Hello and welcome to These Are The Things. This is my fourth attempt at trying to record this because the storm outside is just ridiculous. So I hope this lasts. Honestly, I thought my window was about to come in a moment ago, which leads me to saying that I think this is the perfect weather for staying indoors and is watching and getting cosy with as much nice, cosy and festive TV and podcasts and reading that we can possibly consume because it's December and God knows it's been a hell of a year and we can't afford to kick back and just fill our heads with whatever type of I don't know bubblegum tv something smolsy a bit of romance a bit of laughter I think of all years we deserve that so how have you been I hope you've been well um I finally got over the election and I threw myself into the crown. I watched the whole thing in a day. It's not something I'm particularly proud of, but I just couldn't get away from it. I am from that generation that one of my one of my first TV moments that I remember, and I'm aging myself, um, I was very young, was Diana and Charles' wedding. I remember her getting out of that carriage and seeing her in the carriage first with it was long, long before HDTV and you could barely see her face through the veil and then her coming out with that very, very creased dress and as, as it fell and I think it was a 13-foot train that she had and it was just breathtaking. And I mean, I grew up in Ireland in the 80s and you didn't speak of liking the royal family or even having a passing interest in them. I mean, basically what they are to... The Irish people who don't have to pay taxes towards them, they're like watching the Kardashians. And I have been consumed by the British Kardashians for a very long time. So I could not wait for this season of The Crown and I just adored it. And I have to say I've been getting great entertainment out of certain Tory ministers, getting their little knickers in a twist about falsehoods or rewriting of history or there is poetic license there's definitely poetic license but I think anybody who's had a passing interest in the story of Charles and Diana and I'm I think I'm probably quite unusual in that I like both of them as people I've always liked Charles as an eccentric um and I think we now realize he wasn't an eccentric he was actually doing the right thing he was um into environmental issues long before they were fashionable um I I've had a soft spot for Charles always have um and uh Diana was captivating and beguiling from the moment she sat stepped into public life and um I I like everybody else I remember where I was when I heard Richie died. So these people were part of my childhood and, and their story was part of my childhood. My mum used to buy Hello magazine every week just to see what Diana was up to and what Diana was wearing and um so I think the Crown got a hell of a lot of things right. You may not like the truth. Um but I, I don't think they have been cruel in any way compared to any other season of the crown the crown has not always been flattering to prince philip we don't hear him crying into his organic tea about it um but and they certainly weren't very kind to the kennedys do you remember that episode i'm a huge fan of um well i've always read an an awful lot about jackie and jack kennedy and jack kennedy grew up in um london in his teenage years and would always have been surrounded. His father was the ambassador to uh England, the American ambassador um to the UK at that time. So he would have been surrounded by aristocracy. His eldest sister, uh Kit, actually married into British aristocracy twice. So the thought that Jack Kennedy would show up and refer to Prince Philip as Mr. President, regardless of how much drugs he'd taken, I don't think they were the type of drugs he had taken, despite what the Crown would have you think. Um, would I don't know? A poetic license is always involved in these things, and I don't think we should get caught up in it. I think the heart of the story is most of it's true, and um, it was very entertaining. I thought Gillian Anderson as Margaret Thatcher was breathtaking. She, for me, she wiped the floor with Meryl Streep's performance, and um, I I just. I I thought it was fabulous. I wasn't going to talk about The Crown, but I'm just telling you that that's taken up a hell of a lot of time. Well, an entire day of not coming up for air. So it's December, it's miserable. As I said, the rain is absolutely pelting against the window. There's a horrendous storm going on. Most days I go for a walk and at 11 o'clock in the morning, I have to wear a high-vis jacket. So that just give you gives you an idea of the lack of sunlight and vitamin D I am getting at the moment. So I'm spending a lot of time indoors. And it is December, which means that in YouTube land, the vloggers the lifestyle vloggers have started vlogmas and vlogmas is where for the month of december vloggers who usually vlog maybe once a week or every fortnight or some of them even once a month are are now vlogging every single day in the lead up to christmas usually this involves um a lot of Christmas shopping, going to pantomimes, uh choral societies, a lot of parties. They're lifestyle blockers. They have a lot of events on. This year, twenty twenty, everything is shut down. Even though they're slightly opening up, but we're we're socially distancing, so there's no real parties going on. So it's making it um, it's making it a lot more difficult for them. Which is interesting and it's been nice to see who is coping well, who is reading the room in terms of the content that they're putting out there and who is not. But the lady I'm about to talk about, I find her fascinating because I think we all have a certain perception of lifestyle vloggers out there. And I think, hands up, I think an awful lot of it is unfair. Many people seem to think that it you know, it's minimal talent. You just throw yourself together, and you just self-absorbed people who want to talk about what they bought. Um, how do I defend that? <laughs> well, to be fair, you just have to see how some people are doing it so well when you see others doing it so badly uh, under certain circumstances. But the lady I'm going to talk about today is Joanne Good. Joanne Good is a former actress. She also has her own um, uh, radio show on BBC London. It's a lunchtime show. She's been involved in the entertainment industry since the nineteen early 70s, I think. And she has been fascinated by vloggers. And vloggers, as most of us know, are people usually in... The successful ones started about 10 years ago, so now they are either in their late 20s, early 30s. Many of them, good God, are living in these extraordinary Georgian mansions they've done exceptionally well and those who like to scoff at vloggers just see how well these people have created not alone their own content but have created an entire life and lifestyle for themselves that's bloody impressive and it's most of them are 10 years into this career so I think it's time to actually look at this as an art form but what makes Joanne good and interesting vlogger is that Joanne is 65. She mentions that a lot. The vlog itself is called The Middle-Aged Minx. And she is really, really interesting. When we go back, she started, I think, in 2018. And she lives alone in a one-bed studio apartment first of all she started off in london and it was mainly about going out she's highly involved in the art she goes to many many gallery openings um theater openings a lot of restaurant eating and um not quite partying but going to social events now through lockdown it's more challenging but because joanne is somebody who has is the age that she is she's lived through many a recession she's well capable of reinventing herself from actor to presenter to dog walker to documentary filmmaker she's done it all she's actually finding the challenge of being in lockdown and creating content uh it it seems to have given her a whole new energy but i'm finding her vlogmas just a joy because i'm currently um Usually a city girl loving city life. Um, Through lockdown, I've actually been in the west of Ireland. And while I love my country walks, I do miss the hustle the bustle of city life. And sitting in um, on a cold winter's night and turning on this vlog where Joanne walks us through the streets of London that are definitely a hell of a lot quieter than they usually are. But we see the lights and we see the busyness to an extent the red buses go by it just gives you brings you to that place and the christmas lights and the music for me it's just beautiful there's a lot of other vlogs going on and it's mainly people in their gigantic country houses putting up their six christmas trees and dealing with you know god love them another haul been sent to them from the white company or uh an advent calendar and a coffee machine been sent to the by Nespresso um, my emails below if you'd like to send me anything um, wouldn't object but it, this is very different this is just bringing you back into city life and showing you the boutiques um, around the part of London beautiful part of London that she lives in and for me who's missing that aspect of life um, it's it's just the perfect thing that I need on a cold, cold December evening, as I'm looking out as the tree about to fall down outside the window. So, that's Vlogmas, middle-aged minx with Joanne Good. So, documentaries that I've been watching, and these have been on uh, Now TV and Sky. The first one I watched, actually, was last night. I watched Nothing Left Unsaid which is Anderson Cooper's documentary on his mother, Gloria Vanderbilt. Now, Gloria Vanderbilt is a name. She said, you know what? It's a name that... I, I can't remember where I heard it first. It's always seemed to have been there. It was possibly dro- dropped in in 1980s TV shows where you would talk about a glamorous person and it was that name that came up. So I think I knew of her name before I even knew of... The face and the character and the story behind that name, and it's been interesting in this documentary getting to know her. Gloria Vanderbilt was born into the Vanderbilt dynasty in the nineteen twenties. Um, her parents were socialites. Her mother, I think, was just eighteen, so I think we have to bear that in mind when for what happened to Gloria. Um, They left Gloria, I think when she was five months old, with a nanny, and they went on a tour around Europe for the best part of a year. Um, And unfortunately, when they came back, her dad passed away when she was 15 months, which ended up her mother then moved to Paris and got very involved in the social scene there. I mean, you can imagine Paris in the 1920s. We're talking Fitzgerald, Hemingway, James Joyce. It it could not have been a more glamorous scene. And she was in her early 20s and she wanted to get involved in that. And the Vanderbilt's started a custody battle with her. And it became one of the most famous custody battles of all time. And she became known as the poor little rich girl. Um, Her life seemed to the outside world incredibly glamorous. And it was but it was also full of tragedy. This documentary is made by Anderson Cooper and it was a way of him kind of getting to know his mother as a person and getting to know the past life that she'd had because I think she was in her 40s by the time she she had Anderson and his brother Carter. She had two chil- children from a pre- previous marriage before that. But um, he kind of very gently eases his way into her past life and the decision she made and she doesn't become, she doesn't make excuses for herself, which is refreshing in today's world. And she's very, very honest and he's very gentle with her, which um, I think kind of helps that non-judgmental, view that we have and the understanding that we have because of the childhood that she had and the the life that she wanted to lead and having all the money in the world doesn't mean that you don't have ambition and that you don't strive for things. And she had drive. She had drives that has to be admired because I, I I see very often from people who have inherited a great deal of money there sometimes there is no drive or ambition. And to see somebody you had. And it's still, it, it drive can be a crippling thing as well. And it can lead you down dangerous paths. And that certainly went on there for her. But it, it's um, a beautiful documentary that brings us to a very different time and a very different world. I mean, very few people would have experienced the life that Gloria Vanderbilt did. And it's all the more fascinating because of that. The other documentary that I watched and I would actually urge you to watch this as soon as possible if you have interest because I fear it might be taken off um Sky documentaries and Now TV very soon because it's been up there for a while and I have adored it I've watched it at least twice I may have watched it three times it's called Everything is Copy on Nora Ephron and again a mother a documentary on a mother um, by her son Jacob um, but this is very different and it's interesting because like his mother Jacob is a writer um, and his father Carl Bernstein is also a very famous journalist after um, the Watergate scandal um, but while Nora Ephron put herself into everything that she did hence the name everything is copy uh, Jacob has the ability to remove himself and to let other people tell the story from for him. And this isn't a son who has a chip on his shoulder or who has a gripe with his late mother or anything like that. This is somebody who, who's able to remove himself and be the journalist, but also have a great depth of knowledge about... His subject, and if the documentary really benefits from that because of that. Um, it goes in; it mainly deals with Nora's career and her career, her phenomenal career that I had known very little about of her career as economist for Esquire magazine and the New York Post. And my God, she could be cutting. I mean, really cutting and cutting of people that she knew and that she loved. But she was just able to let that go and be so funny with it, which I think might have made it even more difficult to read. If she was writing about you, certain people like Barbara Walters was able to say, yeah, that was really mean when she was writing about her. But, hey, it was funny. And that's what she was trying to be. She had the most extraordinary career, particularly as a filmmaker. She wrote when Harry met Sally, Sleepless in Seattle. You've got mail, Julie and Julia. In later years, um, but she also wrote really personally. And one of her first novels was about her divorce from Carl Bernstein, which was incredibly ac- acrimonious. And actually, watching The Crown and bringing that back in and watching the dreadful breakdown of Charles and Diana's marriage and remembering various, very, very acrimonious um divorces, public divorces from the 1980s and 90s. Actually, thank God for people like Gwyneth Paltrow and the consciously uncoupling, at least try and do it some form of dignity. And that's probably why it was interesting to go back and listen to Jacob um, burn... Um, Jacob's view on the marriage and on the breakdown of his marriage and how Nora's bitterness towards Carl um, affected uh, Carl's relationship with, subsequently affected Carl's relationship with his children because she was not afraid of holding back and she was not afraid of writing about her own life. She was cutting. She was really tough. Um, The characters who pop up, as you would expect in this documentary, are all household names um, because they were all in awe of her. Everybody from Steven Spielberg to Charlie Rose, remember him, Um, Reese Witherspoon, uh, Meryl Streep, Tom Hanks, Rosie O'Donnell. Uh, It's fascinating. It's just a beautiful documentary and so well put together. And... um, It just reminds you of just how gifted she was and just how passionate she was about food. And actually, going back to Julie and Julia, and it was her last movie, um, but it dealt with all the things she loved in life. It dealt with her love of Paris, her passion for food. There's a very funny scene where they talk about um, Meg Ryan's character in When Harry Met Sally when she goes and orders in the restaurant and she gives such um, innate instructions of how to present the food on a plate and apparently that is taken from Nora Ephron. Apparently she was a delight for you to go to her household because she was such a foodie. And loved cooking. She was a nightmare to go to a restaurant with. Because she would tell the chef how to prepare the food. Um, Most embarrassing. But uh, it's funny to see her character creep into the characters that she's written about. Which leads me to Instagram. Because as I've just delved into the crown and everything else. And one thing seems to be leading to the other in this podcast. Instagram I have chosen this week. Stanley Tucci. Because it's miserable. I am. How often am I going to mention how miserable it is? But you, it, it's a sight to behold outside at the moment. Um, because it's so miserable, we need a bit of escapism. And it is the season to be jolly. And it's not really easy to be that jolly at the moment. So then we all need a cocktail. And where better to go for making us a cocktail than Stanley Gucci? And he his Instagram is just a little bit of joy. He does a cocktail hour that lasts 3 or 4 minutes where he prepares a cocktail and he tells you the history of the cocktail it doesn't go in depth into the history but he just shows you himself um getting the cocktail together and bringing it together. And one thing leading to another, this whole podcast is one leading to another. The reminder of Julie and Julia reminded me of Stanley Tucci, which has reminded me of various podcasts where I have heard and listened to Stanley Tucci talking about his loves and his passions in depth. And the first podcast that I'm going to talk about where I heard Stanley Tucci, but it's actually a series it's finished now. I think they finished probably around this time last year, but it's th- still there for all of us to enjoy. It's called Love Stories by Dolly Alderton, and it's based on her book called Everything I Know About Love. In this series, she interviews her really good friend, Vanessa Kirby. I did say everything is going back. Yes, Vanessa Kirby played Princess Margaret in the first series of first two series of The Crown. Um, Byrony e. Gordon, who is as charming and as honest to a fault as you can be, but is all the most more endearing because of that. And Lily Allen and Stanley Tucci. And Stanley Tucci talks about the great loves of his life, um, which involves art. His first and late wife, Kate. And his current wife, Felicity, and also his love of food, and that's the great thing about this series. Dolly Alderton brings her guests on, and you are to talk about your loves. And many people talk about their sister or their best friend or their love of walks. It's just whatever you are passionate about, and whatever has got you through life, and what those loves can be and each episode is about an hour i think the stanley chichi one went on a little bit longer than that but um it's just beautiful because what it tells you about it is the people it gets to the the heart of someone when you are talking about their passions and their loves or just the steps it has taken them to fall in love or their first love, and the difference between that innocence of your first love, or finding love later in life, which is your companion. Um, it's a beautiful series, and it's beautifully put together, and Dolly Alderton writes beautifully, as we know from the Sunday Times. She's also the agony aunt on the Sunday Times, and that's her new role, and she'd done she's actually made this series prior to becoming that, but she's... A good listener, so I can certainly see how that led to it. So, staying with Stanley Tucci and staying with food and staying with passion and staying with love. My second podcast is called Out to Lunch with Jay Rayner, and um, he is keeping this going through lockdown, and that's not easy because the premise for this podcast is actually bringing people to a restaurant of their choice. If they know London well or his choice, if they are visiting London and ordering food and just letting the conversation flow. His guests have been amazing. Richard E. Grant, who has a very strange love affair of food. I think this is widely known. Richard E. Grant has to smell everything, pick up his plate and smell everything before he eats it. Dermot O'Leary, who is actually a really big foodie and owned his own restaurant. Um, Jess Phillips, who's always a brilliant guest. Russell T. Davies, um, who's incredibly entertaining, Kathy Burke, who's as lovely as always, and one of the best guests in any podcast, but particularly this one. Actually, I will say if you need to listen to one episode of this podcast, listen to Ashling B. And actually, it was recorded around about this time last year, so it's perfect coming up to Christmas. And she tells a hilarious story about working in. A Santa Claus's grotto out in Kildare where there is a false fire alarm goes off. It is absolutely hysterical. But he also talks to Stanley Tucci. And if you want to talk to somebody about food, talk to somebody like Stanley Tucci about food because he makes the food sound like an extra character on your table. He is so passionate and driven and it just... It's in his genes. His grandmother was Italian. It's in his blood to be this passionate about food. He he talks about marinating chicken in the way that somebody else can talk about their routine for giving their child a bath and bringing them to bed and reading them a, a bedtime story. It is done with that amount of tenderness and care. And I don't know about you, but if you love food in the way that I do, and listening to somebody else talk about it in that way and with that respect, it just brings you home. And apart from anything, Jesus, I really sound like I'm missing the city, but I am bringing it back to this again. Apart from anything, it brings you back to the hustle and bustle of city life of sitting in a restaurant where people are knocking over wine bottles, someone else is having a row, someone else is getting engaged. If you go to those type of restaurants, I didn't go very often, but if you're in fancy ones or even if you weren't in fancy ones, it's just bringing you back to that hustle and bustle of life. And sometimes we're in cold and dark places where you might have a fireplace you want to be surrounded by a little bit more people putting on that radio show putting on that podcast actually brings you right back to that place so that's it that's this week's show um i i should be saying this at the end of each podcast but i haven't been all links and all notes are in the show notes um please subscribe it won't cost you anything. Just click on the subscribe button. Nothing really happens. It won't bother you. It'll let you know that when a new podcast comes up, just for a few seconds, so it won't get in your face. And uh, click on the like button if you like it. But help me, again, it won't hurt you and it won't cost you anything. So if you could, I'd be really grateful. And uh, join me. And if you hit the subscribe button, it'll let you know the next time I upload a show. So thanks a million. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye.